New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Aging is a collective frontier. As humanity is living longer and longer, aging can feel rudderless without an anchor and often beset with fears of the future and of losing our capacities and our youth. Aging is a physical, emotional, moral, cognitive, and spiritual frontier. The good news is that with this extended longevity comes a chance to become a true wisdom elder. In order to accomplish this leap from adulthood to elderhood, we're challenged to uncover and explore our unconscious denials and resistances around repairing the past and reclaiming our creativity. Our guest today reveals how to discover ways to share our talents and wisdom and to become a force for change in ourselves and in the lives of others. Today, we'll be exploring aging well with our guest, Dr. Connie Zweig. Connie Zweig is a psychotherapist and has been initiated into elderhood as a certified saging leader She's known as an expert in shadow work and covering our inner shadow. Although she has retired from clinical practice, she leads online workshops that are listed on her website, which is also populated with many activities, blogs, videos, and audio references. She's the author of many books, including co-authoring with Jeremy Abrams, Meeting the Shadow, the Hidden Power of the Dark Side of Human Nature, and is the author of The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. Join us for the next hour as we explore the obstacles encountered in the transition to wise elder with our guest, Dr. Connie Zweig. I'm speaking with Connie by remote connection. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Connie, welcome. Justine, it's so lovely to see you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I mentioned the title of your book, and in the subtitle, you use shifting from role to soul. So help us understand what this means in the context of aging. 
Well, for me, that's what you're referring to as a wise elder or wisdom elder. So here's what what I mean by that. Um, There's a difference between growing old and growing wise. So many people are growing old now, older and older, as you mentioned, with the longevity revolution. And people are more healthy and more fit as the health span catches up with the lifespan. And yet, many people don't have the tools to continue their emotional and spiritual development. And so what happens? They grow more closed and more bitter and more regretful about the past. If they had these tools and practices... They could actually continue deepening into themselves, learning about themselves, connecting with their shadows or their unconscious process, connecting with the unlived dreams and aspirations that they think they've left behind. And most importantly for your question, connecting with the spiritual potential that's available now in this stage of life. And every culture throughout time, all of the spiritual teachings have said that this stage of life, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, is a time for spiritual practice. So I borrowed that phrase from Ramdas, all credit to the spiritual teacher Ramdas for role to soul. And my understanding and what he meant by that was, We live out our roles, our family roles, our work roles, as our identities. That's who we think we are. And then the roles fall away. We lose a spouse, or we lose a job, or we become ill. And the roles don't um, matter anymore. And so the initial spiritual question, who am I, returns. And my book is about, yes, how do we do these practices to become an elder, but also more deeply for New Dimensions listeners, how do we become a spiritual elder? What are the practices we need to shift our internal identity from role to soul, or whatever we call that spiritual essence, we could call it higher self. Or, or the divinity, or um, spirit, or God within, whatever we call it, the book is about the opportunity for self-reflection and spiritual practice to shift our internal identity from role to soul. You know, Connie, before we get to that, many of us, our consciousness is cluttered with concerns, retirement security, food and housing security, um, you know, healthcare options, social services, all sorts of things that we're, we're the outward concern. And beyond that, the, the emotional concern of, oh, as I age, will I be forgotten? Will I be, um, you know, unseen? Uh, and I know in our society, we have an obsession with doing more, doing more. So what would you say about clearing out 
that outer concern, that clutter. Okay. So um, there are a few levels, I think, to your question. One level is survival needs. It's very hard when our survival needs aren't met to stop and do self-reflection, right? It's challenging because we're outer oriented in order to meet the needs of the moment. However, what I would say is um, anyone with a human nervous system can pick up a contemplative practice, even if it's only for 10 minutes. And so even if you're struggling with survival needs, if you take 10 minutes or 20 minutes to find a quiet refuge inside, it can change your outer experience as well. For people who need to do emotional repair because the clutter is in the mind and it's about, um, I need to be forgiven or I still feel like a victim or I need to tell her I forgive her, or um, I don't know what I believe anymore. As we pick up a spiritual practice and learn how the mind works, we begin to get some spaciousness from what you're calling the clutter. We begin to get a quietness and realize I'm not that noise. That noise is not who I am. It may remind us that we need to take care of something. And so in the book, there are all these practices for doing emotional repair work and for doing life review and giving and receiving forgiveness and um, how to find a contemplative practice. But as we experience that inside, I call it aging from the inside out instead of from the outside in. Then as we do that, we get this different relationship to those thoughts. And they begin, the noise begins to quiet down until we can actually detect the signal in the noise. Which voice has an important message for us from the higher self or the intuition? And which is just noise? And that's how shadow work can help us in this stage of life. I know that you do two different levels. You do that outer level as reviewing your life and your outer life. And um, I had the privilege of doing a workshop with you recently online. It was great. I learned so much from that. And I know that going into the shadow work, that's different. That's going into a deeper unconscious level. So how, how do we contact that which we're not conscious of? You know, um, there are so many books about aging. And most of them are about aging from the outside in, right? Demographics, housing, healthcare, ageism. And these are all real. But that they're not what I'm writing about. So because my expertise is in the unconscious or the shadow and how to work with that, I add that dimension throughout the book to all of our issues of aging, whether it's about denial, I'm still young, you know, I had an 89-year-old who said to me, I don't want to be with old people, I'm not like them. 
So whether it's about denial, and I call that the inner ageist, or whether it's about, um, let's say, the life review you mentioned, and going through our lives, our conscious lives, our ego story, to look at the key moments, but then also adding the dimension of the shadow, the unlived life that's unfolding in the unconscious as we expressed our lived life. So how do we connect what was lived out with what was unlived and begin to see the full tapestry of our stories? And then maybe choose what do we want to reclaim now from the shadow or the unlived life? I had a someone who said to me, now that I'm 72, I'm going to write that novel I've always wanted to write. Why? If I don't, I'm going to die with regret. And I think that's a really great criteria for each of us to ask ourselves. What is it that only that I can do? What is it only I can give? And if I don't, will I die with regret? And that can emerge from the life review. Good point. And I want to talk more about that in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Dr. Connie Swig, and she is the author of The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, which is Connie Swig. Dot com And she spells her last name Z-W-E-I-G, ConnieZweig.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Connie Zweig, and she is the author of The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. And Connie, we're talking about the shadow, and these are these denied parts of ourselves, and that can be scary. But you also really talk about the treasures in the shadow, the the gifts of the shadow. And so let's highlight that for a moment? That's such a great question. So, you know, I was researching this book because in my late 60s, I became disoriented and really 
started to ask myself, who am I now? If I'm not Dr. Connie, the shadow expert, and I'm not the wife and the grandma, who am I now? And I discovered this amazing research out of Yale University, this psychologist who spent decades studying the unconscious beliefs and attitudes and images about age and how they shape our age through the lifespan. They actually shape our experience. And that's how I knew I had to write the book, because she was writing about the shadows of age, the unconscious images, beliefs, feelings that we internalize as kids and carry with us throughout the lifespan. And she was able to show that it affects our cardiac health, our memory, it affects our longevity, our will to live, our mental health. And that just blew me away. That's how I realized I had to write about the unconscious shadows of age. So if you think about it, um, in our culture, which tends to be pretty ageist, right? It tends to value youth over age, right? Yeah. So if we get we, lots of images uh, that really right. support that. The media has colluded with this message. All kinds of institutions have colluded with it. So as kids, we get little messages from our parents, our teachers, and other people that growing old is hard, that it's bad, that, you know, it's scary. So what happens if strong is good and weak is bad? If independent is good and dependent is bad, all of these values that are internalized by us, and then all of a sudden, we're living them. We're experiencing them. And so many of my clients were feeling self-hate. They hated their bodies. They hated what was happening to their faces. They hated that they were slowing down. That's another one. Quick is good. Slow is bad. They hated that um, they weren't as attractive or productive as they used to be because those are the values of the culture. And so I worked with these as internal unconscious shadow figures and gave them names, which is what shadow work is about. So let's say the doer. So if your identity is your productivity and you're forced into retirement or illness prevents you from working so hard, then that part that I call the doer is going to go through some changes. It's not going to be getting the gratification, the accolades that it used to get from outside, right? So it's going to create what I call a late life identity crisis. Who am I if I'm not the doer? And this is where, like, uh, people get depressed. That's this is right. a big, big, uh, big thing for people as they age is is to be in depression. It's a lot of depression. Doctors are then throwing medications. That's right. At us for that. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And there's also drug abuse and alcoholism. There's a certain amount of suicide in our generation now. 
There's a late life identity crisis because we don't have the tools. We don't have a rite of passage to go from senior to elder or from role to soul. We don't, we, nobody talks about it. So what I'm saying is that there's an opportunity here to extend our emotional development and healing, to extend our spiritual development and expand our sense of identity from the doer, for example, right, to who am I now? I'm a soul on a journey or whatever you want to call that for yourself. I'm that which lives and breathes through everything. Whatever language works for you to begin to actually experience that. So it's not just a concept, but the book is full of practices so that you can begin to make that shift and actually experience that. You know, some people call it awakening. I'm I'm thinking, all right, so I want to explore my identity, how I present in myself to the world, how I think about myself. So how do I uncover? Because I can't just use my rational brain. I don't believe that. I think it's harder to say, okay, I'll figure it out. So if I'm not going to figure it out, rationally how can i really understand my own identity what what practice can you suggest well there are many of them in the book um they're both psychological and spiritual practices there are a lot of interviews with spiritual teachers who describe their practices so for example um father thomas keating just before he died, spoke about this. Ken Wilbur speaks about it. Um, Krishna Das, um, Rabbi Rami Shapiro. And they talk about the practices that they're doing now at this stage of life. So, you know, some people are part of a lineage and identify with a certain tradition. And there are many mystical or contemplative practices in every tradition. Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, Islam, there are mystical practices available for you. I think you mentioned one of them in Buddhism, and you mentioned a quote from um, Ari Goldfield, and he says, so I'm going to use this quote as an example of what you're talking about, possibly. Wisdom is an innate awareness of our own true nature, and the true nature of the outer world is experiential and is experientially spacious, blissful, and clear, imbued with love, and is inseparable from altruistic ethical conduct. So that that is that kind of what you're talking about or what you're getting from these different interviews that you did that? Yeah. You know, each of the traditions has a different language for this. So um, I don't want to stop people if they don't relate to that language, but there is a, it's true. You cannot transcend the mind with the mind, right? You cannot get to that internal silence, the vastness, 
the emptiness, whatever we call it, the fullness, um, by thinking about it. And so it's not about understanding. It's about a direct experience of our divine nature. And that takes practice. It doesn't happen with your first meditation. It takes practice, right? And so some people are drawn to find a teacher and find a community and do this together. Um, For example, I interviewed Anna Douglas. She's a Buddhist teacher now in her 80s who uh, was one of the people who started Spirit Rock in California. And she told me that baby boomers before the pandemic were just flocking to Spirit Rock, right? So there's a, a calling now, a longing. And if you feel this longing for more, then there are many practices in the book. There are some for beginners. There are mindfulness practices. There are... Um, Hindu practices, there are psychological practices, there are advanced practices for non-duality, to experience non-duality. So here's a basic one that I can suggest to your listeners. I am not the doer. Then who am I? I am a soul. Or I am that which lives and breathes through everything. And what if you were to sit and just say that to yourself for 20 minutes in the morning? I am not the doer or the provider or the therapist or the CEO or the mom, right? I am that. I am a soul. I am spirit. And see how that feels. And see if you can embody it. See if you can breathe into it and embody it. Let it really settle into your muscles and cells. Let it quiet your mind. And if your mind gets activated by this, then you can notice what comes up because those are the shadows. So if you find no, I can't do this. This is stupid. Other people, it works for other people, but not for me. Then you begin to do shadow work with that resistance. And that's, I teach that in the book. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. All right. So I just internally did that practice just right then and there when you mentioned it. I am a soul, you know, to just say that over and over. And what came up for me? Boy, right away. Right. Whoa. Being a soul, that's not enough. It's it's not enough. That's what came up for me. That okay. I, it's like, oh wait, that's just way too simple. That's just, uh, I mean, how can I be in the world in that way? It's just not enough. So <laughs> okay, so that's the next question. What does it mean to be in the world as a soul? And all of the traditions teach this. It means that the ego's agenda takes a backseat. We're not trying to control the outcomes of our actions. We're not attached to the outcomes of our actions. We're allowing our generosity and our service to arise naturally and giving it away in whatever form we can. So if we have a part, and I call this a shadow figure, that comes up and says, 
not good enough. It's a critic. It's a, um, it's a big no. It's a resistor. Whatever you want to call it, I would give it a name. Recognize that it probably comes up all the time in other contexts. What are you feeling when that message comes up? What happens in your body when that message comes up? Give it a name and you have a shadow figure to work with. Great. Thank you so much. I'm here with Connie Zweig, and she's the author of The Inner Work of Age. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Connie Zweig, and she's the author of The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. And we're talking about that deeper attributes that we can play with as as an elder uh, and really have fun with it and not to be so afraid of getting older and and losing some of our capacities and losing the identity we've always identified with, so to speak. There's something that you mentioned in your book is such a great story about losing capacities. And you you brought up um, Greek myth. It was the parable, the story of Tiresias mm-hmm. and how... Um, he was blinded. And so we were talking earlier about the gifts of aging. And mm-hmm. this myth really points out a gift of aging. And I think it really points out what you're talking about, that deeper spiritual place of presence. So mm-hmm. uh, do you re- recall that parable? Well, he's the blind sage. And as he lost his outer sight, his inner sight open. And like, like a, Athena took away his sight, but then he she gave him an inner sight. She gave yes. him the gift of something even more precious. Yes. So there's a whole chapter on illness as spiritual practice. As I'm really trying to, I like to say age is our curriculum. And you know, at some point we will all get ill. Something Something will happen, right? And how do we use that to expand our consciousness, to continue our development? How do we use that experience? And so there's a chapter about working um, with my friend who actually died of cancer during the writing of the book and how we use shadow work together and we meditated together during this experience Um, and another friend who died during the writing of the book. And I, in the chapter on death wrote about our conversations about that. So 
there is, and I, I don't want to minimize the difficulty and the suffering that people undergo because it can be really hard, really, really hard. Um, but I also want to add this other dimension to it that we can continue our inner work in these circumstances, whether we're losing capacities, whether we're in pain, um, whether we're caregiving for somebody else, that if we use shadow work and contemplative practices, we can continue to evolve. Well, what I've noticed, and I've been privileged in my life to midwife several people close to me, in their dying. And um, in every case, their dying was easy. It, 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 they, whatever pain they had, it was medication, they had no physical pain. And they each had a spiritual practice of some sort that gave them assurance that death was maybe not the end of everything some of them believe that or or that they just entered it without fear and i think that those people who have not done that deep practice that it it's more painful to die i i it's just i don't know if that's true but i i just think it's maybe easier when people are releasing into it rather than repulsing it or rejecting uh -huh. it or, uh -huh. or fighting it. Yeah. I think it's hard to generalize, you know, yeah. it's a very individual experience. And I, I worked really hard, Justine, to write the book so that it's not about beliefs so that nobody has to believe this or that about death or life after death. It's not about that for me. Um, I agree with you that some beliefs will make the transition more difficult than for others, but the book is not based on what you need to believe. And so my sense is that um, everyone is capable of feeling more gratitude, of repairing relationships, of letting go of the past, healing the past and really letting go. Everyone is capable of being more present now and letting go of distraction and learning how to be more present. Everyone is capable of facing mortality and actually allowing it to be a teacher, allowing it to show us that with limited time, our choices are more important now, you know, and what do we want to do with this time? What is our priority now? And if we're in denial of mortality and a shadow character, we're not going to ask those questions, right? And everyone is capable of learning how to meditate or pray or do yoga, or whatever fits for you in this time of life. And so there are many practices that are not based on what you believe, but that are that really kind of 
share the purpose of expanded awareness and open-heartedness, more, more compassion, more inclusion, you know, all that the world needs now. You know, I, I think those of us who are activists, who are aware of the many challenges of living in this time, you know, climate change and the pandemic and and inequality, racism, uh, just all sorts of things going on and and maybe um, threat of democracy and stuff. Uh, and there's an app. It came with my my watch. And once in a while, I'll feel my wrist sort of buzz. And I look down and I open it up and it's like, remember to take a moment to breathe. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just as simple as that. And yes. it's like, oh my God, I'm getting stressed out about yes. the news and everything. And shh. Right. Right. Well, I think it's important to be aware of what's happening now and not to allow yourself to be flooded by it to really manage the input because it can become very overloading. And at the same time, it's important, I think, for us as elders to find our moral voices and engage in the causes that we're passionate about. So I have a huge chapter on elder activism. How do we give our gifts now? How do we protect the backs of the youth who are fighting for all these causes that you mentioned now for climate and anti-racism and gun violence and all these things. How do we, what is it that we have to offer? You know, I've joined Third Act, which is Bill McKibben's new organization um, for elders and climate change. I was trained by Al Gore in climate. I was trained by citizens. Uh, Citizens Climate Lobby, I lobbied Congress, and Bill McKibben is trying to organize now all of these millions, 70 million baby boomers who have incredible skills and passion and resources to engage with the climate crisis. So whatever is, for listeners, whatever is your passion, there's so many ways to engage now. Elders Action Network is a fabulous community. What, and what about Encore.org is another one? Encore is focused on intergenerational work. They're doing beautiful work. It's not focused on inner work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's more more activity. Not, it's not about stopping to self-reflect. Yeah. About more activity. Now tell me about the elders. What is it? Elders what? Elders Action Network. Action Network. Also, what about your own circles? Uh, you have formed some circles. Can you mention that? Well, there have been so many people in my workshops asked me how they can follow up. And so what's happening now is people are gathering in groups of eight or nine on Zoom to read the inner work of age together and to do the practices because each chapter has is full of practices and they're doing it together and they're aging in community. And it's been so moving to me to see this happening and to receive the feedback 
of how much they're loving it and they're making friends and they're feeling less alone. And they're learning by going through the book together. They're learning about themselves. They're learning about each other. And some of the early groups have now said, even when they finish the book, they're going to continue together, read another book because they're forming community. So if people are interested in that and they want to read the book, they can email me, ConnieZweig at gmail.com. And don't tell me your whole life story, please. Just put wisdom circles in the subject line and I will connect you with other people. That's fantastic. I love that. And I, you know, it just reminds me of one of the challenges of aging is possibly isolation that we get isolated uh, in various ways. And with the pandemic and people then uh, sheltering in place, it's even more pronounced in our culture. So what would you say about isolation in the aging process and what it has to do with becoming a wise elder? Well, there's even research now going on about this. It's difficult. It's hard on people's health, emotional and physical health. Um, I think that the segregation in housing has really exacerbated it. We saw that in the early days of the pandemic, the people in nursing homes. And, you know, there was a lot of ageist commentary about these older folks. So, um, you know, this is a small way that people can find community by joining the circles and reading together. But there are also lots of other communities. Saging International, sage-ing.org is a beautiful community of elders. Um, there are many of positive aging groups now. Um, and I think when you engage with others, even online, when you find a cause and engage with it, you can help that isolation issue. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much. And I want to remind our listeners to um, go to Connie's website, ConnieSwig.com. On she spells her last name Z W E I G. ConnieSwig.com, or you can get there through New Dimensions website, NewDimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Connie Zweig, and she is the author of The Inner Work of Age. 
And you mentioned in the book how we can really bring back our creativity, even when we're in our 60s, 70s, 90s. You know, if we if we were painting as a kid or playing an instrument and we think we can't do that anymore. What is your suggestion about creativity at this point in our lives? You know, I don't know about you, Justine, but I was taught this very ageist kind of platitude that if you haven't written your great novel or painted your masterpiece by 30, forget about it. It's not going to happen. And all of the research now on creativity completely belies that. That was a myth. And if you actually, I mean, I the research astounded me when I looked at the ages of authors, composers, architects doing incredible world-changing things in their 80s. So these, like we were saying before, these um, gifts, talents, and aspirations have been dormant in the shadow. So the shadow does not only contain the, quote, negative stuff, you know, anger and envy. That's only part of the story. It contains everything that has been unexpressed or buried. And so some of that is our talent, our gifts. And, you know, my... um my literary agent recently retired and she's painting full time. And she said, I never knew I was a painter. I'm just in heaven all day long. So for her, she wasn't aware that she had had that dream and was giving it up, but other people have been very aware of it. My husband has joined a rock band. He's always played guitar, but he decided he wanted to learn the bass. And now he's a bass player in a rock band. Whatever your dreams or talents, like you know you have a talent and it wasn't supported by your family or by your career, what is stopping you from picking it up now? And I think when when you're picking it up now, you have a different attitude. It's not like you're going to earn a living with it. Exactly. It's for the simple joy of the expression. Exactly. And the soul is naturally creative. It wants to express itself. So all that energy was stuffed away and it's just dying to come out. So what if you, you know, picked up a pen or a piece of clay or some music and started to dance? I've picked up dance again in my 70s. So these are, these are, um, talents and dreams that we can reclaim from the shadow now. And we can do it in the context of our mortality, in the context of completing our lives. So what does it look like to complete our lives consciously? I don't know if anybody really talks about that very much. Um, At least I hadn't seen it, the term life completion before. What is conscious life completion? I found that old story of Moses from the Bible, who was forbidden to enter the promised land. And he's standing on the mountain atop the promised land while all of the 
other people are allowed to enter. And I see that as a Rorschach test. What do you see in that image? Was Moses fulfilled? Was he frustrated and angry at God? Heartbroken and disappointed? And then I want to say to our listeners, what is your promised land? What is it that you need for life completion to live in peace now and to die in peace? And what is stopping you from picking that up now, from saying it or feeling it or doing it now? In an effort to complete your life consciously, graciously, and feel fulfillment. For me, it was this book. It was years of work. It was very challenging. And I'm feeling a kind of fulfillment that I really didn't know was possible five years ago. I feel deeply fulfilled because I can meet my readers on Zoom. And I couldn't do that with any of the other books. All the shadow books, I never met my readers. So what is that for you? What is the contribution that only you can make? Well, going back to Moses, some people might look at that as, oh, his life was unfinished. And so for me, looking at what would fulfill me as feeling as if I finished my life, that's a great question. It wasn't until my 70s that I feel like I really came in and and continuing to come into my um, gift and my talent, and that's to sit with you, Connie, and with others and to have these deep dialogues. They just fulfill me in just tremendous ways. And I, I know that I need to look also at what's the succession of this? How do I stand at the promised land and that i won't be entering because I will be passing on. I'll be gone. And then I leave this legacy of all these conversations, 8,000 hours of conversations that have been documented and that have been preserved. And, And I call it the changing of an age. So how do I become reconciled with great satisfaction with that? And, and feel complete with that, I guess, is my question. Yes, it's all of our question. What is a finished story? What is a completed life? And how do we leave a legacy for the next generations? And so I would ask you, are you mentoring someone to sit in your seat? That's such a great question. I, I must say, it's a spiritual practice for me. Because when I'm in the middle of an interview, I try to be present, really present in the interview and really in the moment. And so it's a it's a practice, it's a teaching for me. And when I I, when I finished an interview and I feel like someone will say, "Well, how did it go?" and I'll say, "Well, I." I think it went okay. I felt good about it. And, you know, but it, it's, I don't even, I don't even get into the content. It was like the feeling of it. 
Well, that's like being a therapist, Justine. Ah. Yeah. You remember the whole section in the book about therapist as spiritual practice? Yes. Yes. So you really learn to quiet your mind and be present and go with the flow and feel empathic. It's exactly, and I've experienced you that way this whole time. This is the best interview I've, I've had. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just feel because I feel exactly what you described. So my my suggestion would be that you consider mentoring someone to sit in your seat, and that all of the people who are listening now do the same thing. Pass on to the next generations, not just your skills, but your internal. Your internal learning, your internal teaching, what we're calling wisdom, your your internal um, insights and experiences so that they can step up. People really need guidance. People are very lost right now. And we want to really assist them to step up and take the seat that's waiting for them. Excellent. Excellent. I I love that advice for everyone. Everyone uh, has that life experience wisdom that they've learned. And when they come to embody that, it's a wonderful challenge that you're giving me to to really uh, be Outwardly a mentor, not just waiting for someone to come in, but actually an outward mentor. And that's what's being required, I think, of all of us who are are elders and becoming wise elders to be able to, to ask the right questions at the right time of of others and to be deep, deep listeners, I think is really the, yes. that's my advice is, is the deep listening that is required to become a wise elder. Is, is that something you would concur? Oh, yes. And also that this is part of moving toward life completion, because just imagine the two scenarios Something causes you to stop doing new dimensions. And this seat that I can see you in remains empty. And something stops you. And there's another person there who's 30 or 40 or 50 sitting in the seat. And new dimensions goes on. Could be. Very different scenarios. Yes, could be. Could be. Connie, I'm going to have to wrap this up. I'm so appreciative of your showing up today so fully. Thank you so much for being part of New Dimensions once again. I've been speaking with Connie Zweig, and she is the author of The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. Her website is ConnieZweig.com. That's Z-W-E-I-G, Connie Zweig. Although you can also get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3752. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973. 
thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.